Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 10 of Revelation chapter 19. And we're continuing to look at verses 8 and 9. Revelation 19, beginning in verse 8. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he saith unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. And I'll stop reading there. Now, uh, this is the bride of Christ at the time of the marriage between the Lord Jesus Christ and all those that he has saved. And it is occurring in the day of judgment. Well, we've spent a good amount of time discussing that. Now we're going to um, take a look, because God is directing our attention in this area, to the bride herself and to the language of what she's wearing and and how God defines what she's wearing in verse 8. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. And we shouldn't overlook the word granted. It is a translation of the Greek word didomai, which is often translated as give in association with God's grace, the grace that is given. And, and that's exactly how the bride was formed, how all those that became saved were saved, as it says in Ephesians chapter 2, let me turn there quickly, in Ephesians 2 and verse 8, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. God gives the gift of salvation. He gives the gift of repentance, the gift of faith. It is all granted by his mercy to those that he has predestinated to receive it. And and that's why it says here, to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. Now the fine linen, it, it goes on to say, is the righteousness of saints. The fine linen is also the garment of the army of God that we find in this same chapter of Revelation 19. Just take a look a little further down in in verse 14 of this same chapter. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And, and that means that the bride, which is again comprised exclusively of God's elect, Everyone that God has saved, and in that verse, Revelation 19.8, it also says it's the righteousness of saints. So the bride is the saints of God, and the bride is the army of God. The saints are 
the army upon the white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. They're all synonymous. Uh, we may not connect these kinds of ideas, the bride with, with the saints or, or with the army of God in the day of judgment, but God is through this language uh, concerning the fine linen. The, the bride is clothed in fine linen. The saints of God are clothed in the fine linen, which is the righteousness of saints. And the armies upon horseback are clothed in fine linen. They're all one and the same. They're all synonymous, just different ways of saying the same thing and and painting it in different pictures. God is letting it be known, declaring that the bride, it's the marriage supper of the Lamb, it's, it's the wedding day. And we normally think of the bride, oh, it's her special day. <laughs> when we, when we think of it in earthly terms and a marriage between a man and a woman, it's her special day. The last thing we would imagine the bride doing on her wedding day at the wedding ceremony is, is to take up arms and to be involved in a battle. And yet that's exactly what God is saying here. The, the marriage supper of the Lamb has come. The bride has made herself ready. She's clothed in fine white linen. The all, all beautiful, dressed in white. And, and she's upon her white horse doing battle with the Lord Jesus Christ against the enemies of God. In the day of judgment, in the final battle that this world will ever see, the, the, the end time battle between God and his kingdom against Satan and his kingdom of darkness. And there is the bride dressed in white on horseback following the Lord Jesus Christ, who also is on horseback and 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 going forth to battle. Christ and the 10,000 saints he comes with. Well, the 10,000 saints are the bride. They they are that body of the elect that that has been put together individual by individual throughout time over the course of history until completed and and now once complete they form the bride uh, of the bridegroom who is Christ. And it's almost as though, if you can picture this, uh, here is the Lord Jesus, the bridegroom, who locks arms with his beautiful bride dressed in white. And instead of walking down the aisle, they're going forth to destroy all of the enemies of God in the time of this ceremony. It is the marriage supper of the Lamb where all the unsafe people of the earth are being offered up as a sacrifice for their own sin. And and following this destruction of the wicked over the, the course of this wedding ceremony, the marriage supper, then the bridegroom will turn to his bride and there will be as it were, a consummation of the marriage as the bride receives her new resurrected body, each and every one that God has saved, 
will will receive that new spiritual body and and they will go off into eternity future to live happily ever after isn't it interesting the language we use concerning our earthly weddings and earthly marriage ceremonies we we actually say that we we hope you live happily ever after uh, after you become married um that's the idea and now go on and and have a happy life together well it it uh, isn't very often the case that that happens in this world but it is the case at the time of the end of judgment day when this world is destroyed and the marriage is now consummated between the Lord Jesus Christ and all those that he has saved, his elect people, there is finally a happily ever after into all eternity. Well, let's look also at Revelation 15, because here in chapter 19, we see that the army is clothed in pure and fine white linen. Well, so too in Revelation 15. Remember, there were seven angels that made their appearance, we we read in verse 1 of Revelation 15. And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. And just to remind us, the word angels can rightly be translated as messengers, and it should be in most cases, and, and here it should be, the seven messengers are the saints. They are the bride of Christ. And Revelation 15 is going to describe the pouring out of God's wrath in the day of judgment. That's why the seven messengers, they have the seven last plagues, and in them the seven last plagues is filled up the wrath of God. That is, this is the final bit of God's wrath. It's the completion of it. As we have learned, God began to pour out his wrath on the churches and congregations for 8,400 days, the 23-year Great Tribulation period. And on May 21, 2011, it was the day of transition to the final judgment. Now God is judging all the unsaved of the nations. And, and so it is filling up the wrath of God. And that's why 1600 days, uh, is such a excellent possibility because 1600 added to 8400 completes the wrath of God. It fills up, as this verse says, the wrath of God. It's the perfect number for God to complete the pouring out of his fury on the people of the world. Well, in verse six of Revelation 15, It says, and the seven angels, or messengers, came out of the temple, having the seven plagues, clothed in pure and white linen, and having their breasts girded with golden girdles. The seven messengers, not angels, they cannot be angels. It's impossible that these seven messengers are angels, angelic beings, spirit beings. 
Why is it impossible? Because they're clothed in pure and white linen. And what is pure and white linen? God defined it for us in our verse, in Revelation 19, verse 8. For the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And I would encourage anyone listening to look up the word saints. Forget all about the saints of the churches or some churches and, and there are statues of saints and the saints they pray to that, that is ridiculous and has nothing to do with the biblical word saint. The saints of God are not people canonized by a church that, um, are the saints of lost things or the saint of this or the saint of that. That, that's idolatry. That, that is something contrary, completely against the commandments of God in the Bible, as he's a jealous God and would not have any man pray to any saint. That's horrible idea. Jesus said, when you pray, pray our Father, which art in heaven, not to Saint Harry. We're not to pray to any other entity than God himself and, and Christ informed us to pray directly to the Father. And and that's how true children of God pray. We don't pray to Mary. We don't pray to saints. We don't pray to anything or any other entity than God. Through the Lord Jesus Christ, we offer up our prayers. Saints, then, as the Bible tells us, are those made holy by God's salvation program. And and when you just do um, a search of the word, and anybody can do it who has a concordance, look up the word, look at all the places that it's found, and you'll find several epistles are addressed to the saints at this city or that city. And and it it just means God's people, those that were saved, those that became righteous and spiritually were uh, equipped with the garment of Christ's righteousness, that is the fine linen of the saints. It, it is the covering over their sin, the washing away of all iniquity, and, and therefore they're no longer defiled, no longer polluted, no longer dirty, rotten sinners in the sight of God, but rather they're clean in his sight. They're holy. God doesn't see any of their sin. Their sins are put away as far as the east is from the west and cast into the depths of the sea, never to be remembered again. God sees sinless perfection He sees the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ because Christ paid for all their sin and and that's the righteousness of the saints. That is the fine linen of saints and angels, angelic beings, spirit beings do not possess that kind of covering. There is no fine linen for spirit beings. Why not? Well, because for the angels that sinned, God cast them down to hell, 
Uh, He judged them, Satan and all the fallen angels, and made no provision for their salvation. Therefore, they have no covering. They're they're the, the angels that need it because they're the only ones that sinned. And they have no covering, so they have no fine linen. And the rest of the angels did not fall. God kept them and preserved them. And they continued obediently, faithfully, following the commandments of God. And they never fell and never sinned and therefore never need a covering. There's no need for fine linen, clean and white, to cover over the sins of the angels that stayed in heaven. And and that's how we know that when God speaks of seven angels, it must be messengers. And those messengers must be believers. They must be God's elect, as he says in Revelation 19, that the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And that army in heaven that's clothed in pure and white fine linen on horseback, they are the saints. They are the elect, the redeemed of the Lord. And these seven angels going forth with the seven last vials full of the wrath of God, they are the elect. They are the saints that judge the world. Remember, we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and and this is the Bible saying this, it's not me. As some people, they just don't want to accept the teaching of the Bible. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, in verse 1, Dare any of you, having a matter against another, Go to law before the unjust and not before the saints. Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And there again, God is using the word saints, not to speak of some super holy individual that that gave their life uh, as a martyr and and the church um, reviews their life and and concludes, well, this person was a saint, special, above all the rest of the people of God. Isn't that like man, as though they could make a saint? It's just incredible the the degree of um, falsehood that uh, is involved with the whole matter of saints, uh, insofar as the churches attempt to determine who's a saint and who's not. You know, thank God for God's word. And and thank God that God makes everyone that he saves a saint. And nobody is above another. Nobody is more holy than anyone else. All are equally washed and equally clean. And and, and you see, God is no respecter of persons. The, the whole idea of sainthood in the churches, um, I don't want to um, get too much into that, but, but it's... It it really does lead to the idea that some are more special than others, more holy, more righteous. It 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 has all kinds of errors involved in the very thought of it. And God is no respecter of persons. Nobody's worthy, as He looks out uh, on all of mankind 
and all those that are called, not a one is deserving of any special status. But God saves his people, and again, he makes them saints, and and everyone that is truly saved is a saint in God's sight. And he asks this question here, again in verse 2 of 1 Corinthians 6, Do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world? There it is a plain statement. The saints, the elect, will judge the world. Do you, do you not know that? Are you not aware of that? Do you not understand that? It is really what is being asked. And, and the answer for many people is no, they don't know it. They don't know it. They, they have some vague idea that, um, on, on some, uh, distant day, far off into the future, of course, way, way, way into the future, that God will destroy the world and will be with him somehow. And, and yet here we are, according to the Bible, Judgment Day began on May 21, 2011, and God has been actively judging the world ever since and utilizing the body of believers in certain ways, number one, through saving all of them, and two, by having them publish these things and and thereby executing judgment, executing the judgment written according to Psalm 149, and and sharing this information, and in doing so, they are judging the world. Just the fact that true believers look to the Bible and understand that the day of salvation is over, that the door of heaven is shut, is judging the world. And it, as God has judged the world by um, bringing these things to pass and having his word reveal these things, the believers in understanding these things are equally, along with him, judging the world. And and so that question is asked, do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? And so it is that the Bible is letting it be known, revealing the judgment was on Satan and the fallen angels, as well as on all people of the world on that day. And and it is the saints. Christ has come already with ten thousands. That is the completeness, as ten thousands points to completeness, of his saints through saving the last of his elect and and uh, and and that enabled God to shut the door of heaven. Judgment day has come, and all the saints are clothed with the fine linen, which is the righteousness of saints, because they have all been saved. It, and the body of the bride of Christ has been formed through the completion of the salvation of all whose names were recorded in the Lamb's book of life. And, and, and so there is a definite relationship between the bride 
as she stands all dressed in white, and the armies of God on horseback, and the seven messengers of God that go forth pouring out the seven last vials full of the wrath of God. The next chapter of Revelation 16 details the activity of the seven messengers as they pour out those plagues, or they execute the judgment written. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.